Hey, Tim. Great. Thanks for having me on today. Uh, talk about first Georgia Life Alliance. I, I think the, the name of the organization rather self-explanatory, but elaborate. Flesh it out. Who are you folks? What do you do? Sure. So Georgia Life Alliance is the largest pro-life group here in the state of Georgia, and we're the only state affiliate to National Right to Life. So we have the honor of representing the pro-life community in, uh, in around our state and churches and schools and uh, at the legislature up on the right and pass laws as well as in Washington with our lawmakers there. So we, we get to sort of be the, the tip of the spear in many ways, the pro-life issue here in the state of Georgia. All right. Now help me understand the, the best you can uh, the, the legal part of this. And this is, after all, a legal proceeding. There's a court arguments that were heard yesterday, a court decision that will at some point be rendered here. This is a legal matter as as much as, and we can discuss it on these levels as well, the moral level, the theological, but let's start with the legal here. What is at stake? We keep hearing that Roe v. Wade is at stake. How? So ultimately what's happening with this law is it's challenging one of the main tenets of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which is the, are the two sort of hallmark uh, pro-abortion rulings out of the Supreme Court since 1973 that grant a right to abortion in virtually every circumstance, virtually all the way through pregnancy. And what this law is doing is saying, or what this lawsuit is doing is challenging the idea that states do not have a right to pass an abortion restriction before the point of viability, uh, which currently in medical science is somewhere around 20 to 22 weeks gestation. And so this law is saying that because of these compelling factors about uh, you know, the advancements of medical science and uh, the advancements uh, that have allowed viability to get earlier and earlier, which uh, you know, we're hearing stories in the past few weeks about a baby born at 21 weeks uh, who is now uh, surviving and thriving, that these states should have the, the ability to, to restrict abortion in many circumstances. And because Roe and Casey's ruling don't allow for those restrictions prior to viability, but the Supreme Court has not actually defined what interest the state is allowed to have, even though they've said that states do have an interest in protecting these preborn lives. This lawsuit is asking the Supreme Court to clarify what is a restriction we are allowed to pass and when are we allowed to pass it. And because that flies sort of in the face of that tenet of Roe and Casey, in, in some senses, th- those rulings are on the line and could be overturned. And again, Josh Edmonds, Executive Director, Georgia Right, Georgia Life Alliance. Uh, why then, and, and again, a legal question here, and as best as you can unpack it, uh, why Mississippi's law as opposed to Georgia's law, Texas law, other states with, with similar laws? Uh, what about Mississippi's law is unique here? So part of it is timing, that Mississippi's law is the first one uh, that handles a pre-viability abortion restriction to hit the Supreme Court um, and have this question be asked by the 2020 court um, that is rounded out by Amy Coney Barrett. Um, but part of it is that you know, Georgia's law uh, restricts abortion even earlier than 15 weeks. Uh, it, it, it regulates it uh, to restrict most abortions once the heartbeat's detected, which is somewhere around six weeks. But the basis of that is the argument that in state law, we recognize that that baby in the womb is a person. Uh, Texas's law is different in the sense that it has no criminal enforcement element to it whatsoever. It is purely enforced by civil litigation. So there's no state action to enforce the law. And that's why that those lawsuits have sort of swirled around the drain, so to speak, because there's no real instance of, of this kind of law being debated in the Supreme Court. But Mississippi is looking at a very common sense pro-life abortion restriction, which, you know, many people miss the context. This restriction, you know, 
America is one of only three countries that allows abortion as late as we do, and the other two are China and North Korea. 47 of 50 European nations have 15-week or earlier abortion restrictions. So Mississippi is, is using the same cultural and scientific arguments that many European nations are making to restrict abortion. And that, that common-sense approach that, you know, like I mentioned, it, it really flies in the face of the previous pro-abortion rulings. It's requiring the court to have to go back to their previous rulings and say, did did we get this right in the early 70s and the early to mid-90s when, when, you know, sonogram images were, you know, grainy blobs that, you know, can hardly be discerned but by mm-hmm. experts? With what we know now, did we get it wrong enough to revisit and change what those rulings permit states to do? And that's the other part of this. Again, Josh Edmonds, Georgia Life Alliance here. And I've always wondered, my friends over on the left, and not exclusively, but mostly the folks on the left, who the so-called pro-choice position, I call it the pro-abortion position, they hold up Roe v. Wade in that decision and Casey the other one. They hold these up as kind of, from their perspective, holy grails. And I've always said to them, even if Roe v. Wade disappears, which it might, I'm not going to bet on it, but it might, you don't outlaw abortion. Repealing Roe v. Wade would not outlaw abortion. It would simply give us what we had before, which was 50 states deciding for themselves. Exactly. And I think what's very likely to happen is something along the lines of what you mentioned. It seems like the more conservative justices are not as keen to actually overturn Roe v. Wade using this lawsuit. But what they are wanting to do is find a way to return that decision back to the states in many cases, uh, where there'll be some limita- there'll be some federal mandate through the Supreme Court that says there is a, a, a constitutional right to abortion, but they're going to say, we believe, that states do have the ability to say, listen, for these reasons that we are outlining in our state law, we believe that abortion should be restricted earlier than what the federal law allows. And so if you're in California and the legislature wants abortion on demand up to and even after the moment of birth, the state of California will be able to pass that law. But in Georgia, if we want to say abortion is restricted as soon as you can detect a heartbeat, and then we're going to turn around and allow a tax credit for preborn babies on your state taxes, we're going to allow for child support to be claimed by a pregnant woman for her preborn baby, and we're going to allow for uh, civil lawsuits against you know manufacturers uh, who have allowed for injury of a preborn baby. We can do that too, and and that I think is what many people miss. Like you mentioned, if Roe is undercut or overturned, it does not ban abortion nationwide. It merely gives states the right to demonstrate their reasons that abortion should be restricted and pass laws that do so. And states regulate all sorts of other things. Murder is, is, I mean, yes, there are sure. federal murder statutes, but there are also 50 states with their own murder statutes, which treat murder exactly that way. Exactly. This, this really is a matter, this law being, you know, you, like you mentioned, a little unique to the questions that Georgia's heartbeat bill or the Texas abortion uh, restriction pose. This is really a question of what's what rights do a state have under the thumb of the Supreme Court's previous rulings? Again, Josh Edmonds with us here, uh, Executive Director, Georgia Life Alliance. I, you've been on the front lines of this thing for a while now, and you, you, there will be those people, and you, I know you've heard this, there are people out there listening right now. Okay, there's a couple of white men talking about abortion <laughs> rights and women and their bodies and the rest of it. How do you answer that very superficial argument? 
You know, I actually got asked that question on a, a Chinese global news interview about the Harpy Bill back in 2019. They said, how, you know, how can you justify, you know, a group of mostly white men making decisions that govern a woman's body? And what I replied to them was, you know, it, it's a suggestion that primarily white people uh, white men shouldn't be able to make decisions about a woman's body, uh, then perhaps we should go back and overturn Roe v. Wade, which was also decided by <laughs> primarily white men, and start from scratch. And we'll let women weigh in on this issue. Uh, and, of course, they were not keen to that idea, but it exposed the idea that, you know, that, that, that's a pretty superficial argument, like you mentioned, because it, it, it sounds quippy and, and like a gotcha moment as long as they are talking about an issue that they disagree with. When we talk about should men speak out against sexual assault against women, should white people speak against racism, then that doesn't really hold up anymore. Uh, it's, it sort of sounds like if you don't like slavery, don't buy one. And uh, I think that kind of argument is uh, as unfortunate as the main tenet of the left's you know, argument against the pro-life issue, but unfortunately it's one we continue to hear over and over No, again. you touched on slavery. They always made the argument, I have and others have as well, that, that it, you look at the language uh, that was used to justify slavery and other things over the years. Uh, you know, they're not really people like we are. Not in the sense that we are. Not those black people. Right. They're not like us. They're, yeah, they're kind of sort of human, but not really. We say exactly the same thing. The, the so-called pro-choice folks say exactly the same thing about the fetus in the womb. And that's why Georgia's law really tries to go to the heart of the matter, no pun intended, mm. and say that, you know, in the beginning sections of the bill, we're, what we're doing is recognizing the child in the womb is a person. And because they're a person, they have legal rights, and here's what they are. Uh, but throughout history, like you've mentioned, whether it was people with darker skin colors, whether it was women, whether it was Jews, whether it was the disabled, mm. people in power who, see, who who stand to benefit something from it, make the same argument to subject weaker people, at-risk people, uh, to disenfranchise them from their personhood rights. And it's the same exact argument that the left uses for abortion. Josh Edmonds, we got to leave it there. Georgia Life Alliance. Joshua Edmonds, the executive director. Thanks for your time this morning. We'll wait for the court ruling. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you.